0: Welcome back to Close Encounters of the Blurred Kind, your guide to all things black and nerdy. I'm Ren. I'm Weaver. I'm Parker. And we have a special guest today. I'm
1: Kenna. Hi, everybody.
0: Kenna. Yay. We're so excited. Kenna! This is our first guest of the season and we're like really pumped. This is like what long before when we were in the early, early planning stages, even before like Parker and Weaver hopped on, I was like, okay, so Kenna's going to be on this. And then <laughs> <laughs> like, Kenna's so cool
2: um i'm honored so i'm cool. honored <laughs> uh ken and i i'm are, starstruck right are, now right <laughs> right ken and i are both <laughs> part of the primordium reading group um we're uh co-hosts and a couple weeks ago kenna um that so like the co-hosts rotate throughout the month choosing the reading and we do like a read aloud on twitch and then we have a group discussion in a uh, discord server that you can access by subscribing to one of us on patreon um but a couple weeks ago uh kenna's topic was um black horror and like how it's become like the most powerful cinematic genre and we talked about that and um uh we talked a little bit about atlanta and afro surrealism and Mm -hmm. jordan peele movies and this since this is the episode that's gonna be coming out like immediately prior to halloween we thought that this would be like perfect for uh, for you to come and like expand some more on those topics because like the I think the very first of your TikToks I ever saw um, was about Get Out. It was, you were specifically describing the scene where he's like scratching at the 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 arm of the chair and like the cotton stuffing is coming out. And I just watched Get Out for the first time last night and I like when it got to that scene I was like oh that's the thing Kenna told me about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that your videos
0: on black horror, like, ha- are some of them. I mean, I've been following you for years now, but um, that's one of the most like interesting topics that you cover like i never even really thought of black horror as being a separate genre and if i were here the term i would have just thought like you know like especially dark horror or whatever or even just horror movies that feature black people but the specification that like black horror is not just like has black actors in it but it's specifically written from the perspective of a black person and covering black issues is just so significant and that's in in um, connection to the whole like jordan peele and like i love jordan peele's movies and stuff like that and they all even if they talk about other social elements and aspects have such a an undercurrent of like only a black person could have r- written this story the way that it is written
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. 100
3: for me i was never really somebody who was Uh, I was very anti-horror. My philosophy um, for the last 23 years has been I have enough anxiety and horror (laughs) in my life. I do not need to go and be like purposeful. I don't need to make myself scared. I can do that like just on a normal basis. Um, And during the pandemic, that was something that like that. I think that's one of the main things about me that's shifted um, is I'm like now a lot more Into, like, I used to say, oh, okay, well, I'm into dark fantasy. I'm not into horror, which, I mean, considering my aesthetic, uh, people are generally surprised by. And that, and the fact that I've never been to a hot topic before, but we'll get to that later.
2: What I see? am very shocked.
3: See? See? see, see, look at the faces. Look at the faces. Um, you don't need to go to a hot
2: topic now. The time to have gone to hot topic was like twenty ten.
3: My mother was very. My mother is very into like vintage jewelry and vintage like authentic goth and alt stuff. So mm-hmm. we didn't, I didn't have to go to a hot topic because she'd be like, why are you getting these like cheap things when I found these sterling silver, like this this cursed fucking like amulet from the <laughs> 1950s, like here, take this to school with you. Um, But so I was never somebody that was super, super into horror until I had to get a little bit more familiar with just thinking about it during the pandemic. Like I was somebody, like I'm still somebody who's like, I'm autophobic, so my fear was being alone. And then I was like, in lockdown by myself for like <laughs> <over a
2: year. laughs> Wait,
3: That's so a I started time. to like yeah I started to like think about that and like deconstruct that and at the same time I started like and I was always somebody interested in things that were more towards like um Night Vale in terms of like the dark fantasy aspect but then I started listening to the Magnus archives during lockdown. Um and that kind of just made me deconstruct that and then also um I I realized now that the thing that I the thing that i i was so adamant about not engaging with was horror from the lens that is most um that is most uh like given the spotlight which is horror in a way that is meant to scare you as opposed to horror that is either a coming from a different lens for the person that is fighting against something or horror for horror from like say a queer lens where you are actually invited into the perspective of the monster um Mm -hmm. and so now like i can be like oh i'm very very into like actual horror which is or for me which is like you know horror that is that that is aware of itself I think and not just like a shock value thing which I mean definitely has its its merit but like I I'm into now like queer horror like eldritch horror psychological horror like black horror especially and definitely kind of like watching your videos has definitely just helped me deconstruct and sort of like engage with that um in a in a way and also i've just had to look at a lot of jordan peele movies because even if i don't want to be scared i'm like i need to support like
2: black i'm rooting for everybody Black. <laughs> yeah. when i was young so i was used a- to i used <laughs> to just associate horror movies like slasher films like texas chainsaw massacre and i was like well i don't yeah. like those <laughs> exactly um, yeah i'm like i don't i i don't like being startled and there's like i have really bad anxiety and sometimes the thing that gets me is just narrative tension sometimes if the narrative tension gets mm-hmm. too high i'll have a panic attack because it feels too real yeah like my husband tried to get me to watch uh do the right thing and that gave me a panic attack. <laughs> do the right thing is intense yeah well the cops killed radio raheem and then was well, his face through the the chair through the window i was like okay i'm i have i'm having a panic attack right now um <laughs> And it was, it was just too real. It was just too real. And so I thought that I would never be the kind of person that, like, enjoyed horror. Um, but, I, mm-hmm. yeah, it's partly because of Canada's videos that I've, like, really been able to see horror, like, as as an art form. And, like, what mm-hmm. I do is I, I just read the synopsis of the horror movie on Wikipedia first so I know exactly what's going to happen. Then I'm not startled. <laughs> and then I'm, like, able to really, like, enjoy it for the sake of, like, analyzing the cinematography as opposed to, like, being scared in the moment. Uh
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things to talk about with horror film is kind of, like, trauma-informed horror movie watching because, like, the Mm -hmm. whole point of horror movies is, and horror film theorists spend a lot of time differentiating between um, different kinds of fear, like horror and startle. That's a really big distinction in a lot of film Mm -hmm. theory um but horror as a genre generally is inviting feelings of anxiety tension claustrophobia being watched and those things can be like incredibly deeply triggering um if you are somebody who in your real life has had like very big capital T trauma that's led you to feel that way and so people are often very surprised to learn that like i watch horror movies like this like i watch horror movies with my eyes closed like i get scared i am a I'm a big baby about horror movies, um, but I love them. I think there's something really interesting and fascinating about a genre that is asking you to feel fear, not just because it wants you to feel something, but because it wants you to ask why you're scared Mm -hmm. of what you're scared Mm of. Um, And uh, similar to what you were saying, Parker, I had a really hard time understanding why horror was such a popular mainstream genre um, because so much of modern horror, um, more than like, it, oh, film has always come from a very white perspective, but horror film as a genre historically, before the 1970s was counterculture. And so one of the really interesting shifts that you notice in horror film is that it's like, we have this massive historical breakthrough with the casting of Dwan Jones and Night of the Living Dead, which was the first black lead in a horror film. Um, And uh, he doesn't make it to the end of that movie, but it is revolutionary in the fact that he makes it the longest in that movie. And also, George Romero was not originally going to kill off that character. It was like a really big deal um, when Dwan Jones was cast because George Romero wasn't imagining a black person when he wrote the role of Ben. Um, And so once a black man was cast, there was a huge conversation about, okay, how do we take this character and make sure that it's not a racist depiction? And so a huge part of the reason why Ben and Night of Living Dead is so effective is because a lot of it was Dwan Jones' idea. George Romero was originally Mm -hmm. going to pull the ending um, where Ben gets shot by the kind of government formed militia at the end. And Dwan Jones was like, No, I think you need to keep this because the whole point of Night of the Living Dead is that it's communist filmmaking and the zombies are meant to be an allegory for communism. And the point is that the most dangerous thing in that movie is not the zombies. The The whole point, exactly. Wow.
0: That is very effective. Oh my
1: God. (laughs) Exactly. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, ooh, it's one of my favorite oh. horror films ever made for a reason. But yeah, that almost was not the ending because George Romero was like, I don't want this to, like, this communist film to be made at the expense of rehashing black trauma. And that that's really, oh, God, sorry. I'm just getting excited because I love this movie so much. Um, no, <laughs> but, but you're it's, fine. that kind of, any of that. I, yeah. Yeah, it's Dwan Jones is inarguably one of the most influential Black actors in history. He was massive. He was also in one of the very first Black horror films ever made that got super popular. I want to say it was directed by Bill Gunn, um, but it's called Ganja and Hess, and it's basically like a Black horror vampire movie um, that... Yes, directed by Bill Gunn. It's a black horror vampire movie that Spike Lee remade in the '90s, uh, called "The Sweet Blood of Jesus" because it's a Spike Lee joint, so it's always going to have a silly, silly title. Um, but it's it's essentially a black horror film about the the masculinization and the monsterification, if you will, of black women. Like essentially the mm-hmm. thing that everybody in that story is most afraid of is the Mm -hmm. black woman and of her accessing her power. And so that's the biggest difference in between white horror and black horror I've found Mm -hmm. is that when you're looking at black horror, there's a level of consciousness at how like, being black impacts the story that a lot of Mm -hmm. white horror movies don't have. I think to this day, Night of the Living Dead is one of the best examples of what scholars distinguish between black horror and blacks in horror with black Um, horror being horror that comes from a black perspective and then blacks in horror, which nobody likes the word blacks being thrown around, but scholars (laughs) like to be short and punchy. Um, (laughs) But that basically refers to Black characters in white horror movies. And one of the things that's so well executed about Night of the Living Dead is that there's never a conversation about the fact that Ben is the only Black character in the room. It's never addressed. But a huge tension in the movie is that nobody wants to listen to Ben and he's right all the time, Mm. all the time. Ben is like, if we do this, we will be fine. And most of the time when characters die, it's because they're effectively refusing to take his orders. And the subtext that gets created is that none of these white people want to consider that a black man can be right. And that's ultimately (laughs) what kills them. Um, And that level of awareness of how being black impacts your how you are able to move through the story is something you don't find in a lot of white horror movies. Mm-hmm.
3: The the main thing that I've noticed in terms of like, just because there's there's a conversation about like, the difference between in media generally speaking, right? Like there's always the conversation. Um, Or the pushback of like, well, if we have white people who can tell these stories or who are, you know, who want to write about these things, like why is it so important to not have to have a a black director instead of a white director, a black actor instead of a white actor? And I think the difference is like, or like, you know, and obviously that that broadens um, the the narrative into like, why is it important to have like, you know, like trans actors instead of cis actors? Like it goes into all different kinds of like diversity and, and representation. But, like, at the end of the day, I really think it's just intention and experience. You're going to be, like, Black writers, directors, actors, uh, like, producers are going to be be able to bring so much more of that experience. It's And it's it's not to say that, like, with enough sensitivity readers or, like, social awareness that, like, somebody who's not of a certain culture wouldn't be able to tell a a good story, but it would be a good story written by somebody not of a certain culture.
2: Yeah, why would we not want Black people to, like, have the career success of being the ones that get to make these stories instead of, like, continually, like, giving white people these projects.
0: No, I think it's, like, similar to what Parker was saying. It's, like, it's interesting how that, like, like, a lot of people don't realize how making a character Black in a story is going to fundamentally change what yep. that character is, how that character experiences the world around them—that is why some people get confused when they see, like, me have a negative reaction to them saying, "Oh, well, Hermione is black, or she can be black." Like well, Rowling never officially said she was black, whatever. Because, like, a, she is described as being pale on more than one occasion in the books, but b, it's like. Uh, like Hermione's character would fundamentally change. It's not yeah. you, you can't just like race swap a character. Like, Hermione's it's whole gonna... thing was
2: like the 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 house elves are enslaved, and I want to free them from slavery. And the house elves were like, actually, we like being slaves. And, to yeah. make, <laughs> and and everybody around Hermione like laughed at her for trying to do that, and like trying to retroactively make Hermione black makes that even worse. Yeah, that makes that whole that whole yeah. storyline worse. And it also makes
0: the whole, like, Draco calling her a mudblood. Like, that's basically the N-word. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it. Like,
3: it is definitely... Like, the entire thing of Harry Potter is like, ah, there's wizard Nazis, and also, like... if Like, like m- the word muggle just sounds a little... It sounds
1: a little iffy sometimes. It's, like, not, it's, it's a, just, a slur. It's fantasy slurs. It's a slur. It's why, a fantasy slur. White people's obsession with those has always
0: oh Oh, my god they're so obsessed with slurs you're right (laughs) like even in like game of thrones like wildling is a slur (laughs) okay like and also
3: can we just say can we just like say i don't know about you guys but i've been a part of like multiple projects (laughs) where i've like been brought on as like a voice actor or like just somebody who's in the room with uh With, like, a white creator and I'm helping them out with their projects. And every single time there is a slur in their, like, high fantasy, high sci-fi thing, it's always, like, oh my god, I've been wanting to say this for years. There's, like, this whole thing where, like, every single time there's, like, a fantasy slur, it's automatically, like, this is basically the sci-fi version of the N-word. Or this is basically, like, the high fantasy version of the N-word. Every single time I'm in a writer's room that is spearheaded by, like, a white person, they only have that context for how bad a word is and it's like you can just say this is like a no-no like you don't have to you don't have to compare it to the end
2: like we we get the gist of it okay i had i had two things that i want to say and i'm gonna forget what they are
3: (laughs) vibes Um, i should be taking
2: notes (laughs) my brain is all over um, the place we all neurodivergent in
0: this piece (laughs) um
2: was it you, Kenna, or somebody else that was talking about analyzing Birth of a Nation as if it were a oh, horror movie? That was me.
1: Yeah, that's a really <laughs> core. It's the first um, horror
2: movie, basically.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's never categorized that way. And that's where a huge part of the like theory that was developed that black horror is its own genre and needs to be classified and discussed as such is where that comes from. Is because the experience of watching Birth of a Nation, it's completely different depending on whether you're black or if you're white, and that's something that was true in ways,
2: yeah, different directions. (laughs)
1: Exactly, what changes depending on who you are sitting as a member of that audience is what the Mm. monster is. If you're a white person, you watch that movie and you see a movie about the threat of black people against the United Aryan race, and if you are a black person watching that movie, you see the truth which is that white people are putting all of their problems on you i don't know if it, i don't think anybody should ever have to watch birth
2: of a nation like sincerely it's- so many people are like, oh, well, it was it was so important to film history you should at least watch it once to understand it's like do we? you really
1: don't have to like i listen nobody wants to say this But I will. Birth of a Nation's not just racist. It's a bad movie. Like, it's it's (laughs) a really bad movie. There's an inexplicable incest plot between two of the white people. It's like, oh, Oh, yeah, we're going to blame slaves for the Civil War, which blew my mind. I've never seen, like, I've seen a lot of hot takes on the Civil War that were looking a little alt-right, right? Birth of a Nation was the first time I've ever seen somebody genuinely be like, and you know what? The slaves were the ones who encouraged the Civil War. <laughs> I have never seen somebody like you understand slaves did not have political power, right? Like, we were canvassed on that one. We were not <laughs> black. Like, that was, oh. Can we talk about
3: white people's <laughs>
2: obsession with incest plot lines for a second, though?
1: I was. <laughs> they.
3: The I feel clouds. like every time we talk about media nowadays, uh and There's we we so analyze like idiots. white media like you ins- know what <laughs> this, this is the same conversation we had when we
0: were discussing house of the dragons yes well on that point on that point, like talking about incest in media, it's not just fantasy media. Like they made the excuse, like, well, House of the Dragon is supposed to be like medieval fantasy and like medieval kingdoms did, like have a lot of incest. But a- do you notice that like some there was that tweet thread that went viral not too long ago, that a lot of modern black comedy has bizarre levels of incest suggestion. Like life with Derek, like the relationship of like oh, yeah. Ross and Monica and friends, oh, yeah. like just bizarre oh, wait, wait, wait. levels you said, of suggestion. You said, like, black the
3: Hulger's commercial oh, of old. Yes, <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, like, you said
0: black comedy.
3: Yeah, yeah I uh, thought you meant like black, no, 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 like,
0: sorry, but white, co- like mm, white comedy. Okay, yeah, I was. <laughs> I, was like, about life with Eric. I don't remember that in in living No, single. okay, I I didn't. I meant white comedy. A lot of white content has like an incestuous vibe to it, which is weird. Star Wars, they do that weird ass yes, pop thing Star where they're Wars, like, no. "Well, they didn't
1: know they were siblings when they kissed, but you did. You the right <laughs> <were the> <laughs> choice." To have a brother and a
2: sister and make this like you did that. Uh, <laughs> just real quick, speaking of living single, did you notice that the set that I designed for our little Sims intro was like based off the living single set? I put a lot of
0: thought in effort. That That's awesome. And I said friends, and then
2: you were like, speaking of living single, <laughs> yeah. Because you were talking about black comedy. Speaking of the better version, uh, yeah. The other thing, the other thing I was gonna say, also, also, can we all agree that Overton is autistic? Can we just put that out there? <laughs> 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 um. Also, the thing I was gonna say, I was gonna cycle back to zombies. Um. So I wanted, I I want to talk about zombies for a second as like a metaphor for whatever social movement white people are afraid of at the time. Um, yes. Because you know, like yes. the the big walking, like that was very like anti-immigrant. I feel like. And mm-hmm. what's interesting mm-hmm. is that um Terry Pratchett does like a sort of pastiche of this within Discworld. Um, the main zombie character, my beloved, his name is Reg Shoe. He's a zombie anarchist, and his he has started a movement called the Dead Rights Movement, and he has it's called the Fresh Start Club, and he like writes graffiti on walls that says like Undead, yes; Unperson, no. And he has like little pins that's like Great to be Gray, um, and it's like all it's better of his, than spew pins, yeah, yeah, all of all of his slogans. And, like, so much of the dead rights movement was taken directly from the queer rights movement, but he just didn't make... Any of the undead characters canonically queer. He like wanted to use the aesthetics of queer activism without committing to like actually making Reg gay, and like that drove me insane. And also like he was sort of the butt of the joke, just like Hermione, where everybody you know his activism was treated as like a ha ha. Like he tries so hard, and it's like yeah, it's because he's an oppressed minority. Like do you think do you want him to just ignore that? Um, there there was a there was like a prequel um like Discworld book that went like back in time. 30 years to like a revolution and like back when reg was like a teenager um and this whole thing was he was just like so gung-ho about revolution um and everybody was just kind of like ha ha like it was it was very sort of like barricade boys like the 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 i i just learned the expression downwardly mobile white leftist um, but that was that was sort of like placed on Reg, like oh, you know, it's just like some white kid that that wants that just like is really gung ho about revolution, but doesn't know what he's doing. But then, like when you really think about Les his Ms. character, Syndrome. Yeah. yes, when you really think about his character, it's like he has like no family, <laughs> like he's for all intents and purposes like an orphan. Like why do we assume that he is privileged and coming for coming at this from a place of like like appropriating? revolution because what reg reads mm-hmm. to me as is someone who is deeply passionate about justice but doesn't understand social cues hmm, what does that sound like mm. to me um mm. side note literally every character in Discworld is autistic i will not be dissuaded from this <laughs> <laughs> not be taking questions at this time <laughs> no not at all <laughs> i, th- I so think sorry. what might be a good idea actually looking at the time is to do a little ad break. All right. Yeah, that's a good point. Good time for
0: <clears throat> a bit of an ad break. <music> so we are um, going to, you know, continue to promote our various uh social platforms those are all going to be in the description also uh i'm going to take this moment to plug awesome socks club it is a uh it is a product by my mutual, um, Hank Green with the Green Brothers, you know. And, um, it's, uh, a whole, the whole purpose of it is to, uh, sell these sock Casual subscriptions. Facts. And it's only open, yeah. <laughs> and it's only, um, Casual the facts. sign up window is only open for a limited period of time. Uh, but you can sign up for like a year's worth of it's like a sock subscription service. All of the socks are designed by various artists, um, and those artists are paid. And all of the money, the profit goes towards, uh, Sierra Leone and helping make, um, childhood mortality rates like lower them like help uh, with maternal care in Sierra Leone um, and so it's a really cool you know solid uh, ethical project that I've worked with before and I have a um, link which I'll put in the description if I remember to do so which um, is like a an affiliate link so it does help me out a little bit but it also you know helps the good cause and you can go and get socks and the socks really are very nice very comfortable socks so I'd like to plug that in <laughs> I'd also like to plug my um YouTube channel which I had mentioned before but I'll I'll put that in the description. But my um fiance, uh, they are, um uh they've been doing a lot of video editing lately. And they have a video that, that they just uploaded that they work really, really hard on. Please go and give them some views and support. And we both make videos on that channel. So you'll see both of us on there.
2: Wordy but, um, and nerdy. Yeah. And I'll have it in the description. And also something that we didn't mention last time uh, is that if you are listening and you're like, I have a business and I want to advertise on this cool podcast, uh, shoot us an email at um close encounters of the blurred kind at gmail.com um, and we will put that
0: in this description as well the
2: yes, contact us absolutely. email mm-hmm. uh, kenna Go do you ahead. have anything to promote and tell us about your <coughs> patreon if you have any projects coming up oh
1: no i don't really have anything going on i'm kind of on a like an official hiatus i guess i'm kind of trying to you know slow it down take a break figure out my real life Um, But I do have a Patreon, um, my current TikTok account, because I just like real low key deactivated (laughs) at 250k and was like, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, If you're looking for me, I am now at Mouse Abolition. I'm also Mouse Abolition on Twitter. And I don't remember my Instagram handle. But if you find my TikTok, you can find that. (laughs) I have a link tree in the TikTok account. So I just kind of let that speak for it i don't explain my handles anymore i just because i'm not trying to grow i'm not trying to promote weaver do you have anything to-
2: i want to tell everybody about primordium again currently primordium is just like once a week on tuesdays and the co-hosts like rotate choosing the readings um we do a read aloud around 6 six thirty eastern standard time on uh my friend madeline's Twitch channel the eclectic library uh and that read aloud is open to everybody uh but if you would like to participate in the group discussion in the primordium discord server all you got to do is subscribe to one of us on patreon um you this won't go out prior to this week's primordium which is a shame because uh this week um i have chosen the reading it is the Short story Smoke, Lilies, and Jade by Richard Bruce Nugent, who uh, was a really important figure of the Harlem Renaissance. He was only 19 when he wrote it, and it was, like, the first um, the first work by a black author to, like, directly address themes of homosexuality. And not just that, there's, like, an interracial bisexual polyamorous triad. It's, like, all written, like, stream of wow. consciousness. Yeah, he was 19-year-old trailblazer. He was, like, a, a homeless bisexual... um, teenager who just like couch surfed at Zora Neale Hurston's house and like Wallace nice. Berman's place um, what a flex right um flex. and the reason why this stream of consciousness style is like so distinctive um is because he had written like the fi- the final draft uh of this piece and then the day before it was supposed to go to print Zora Neale Hurston's brother accidentally lit it on fire <laughs> and then he he like had a cry about it And Zora was like I believe in you You can do it She so handed him a stack of wrap, love- of wrapping paper And a roll of toilet paper And he got on the subway And wrote Tried to rewrite his short story From memory On a toilet paper roll While riding the train Um the magazine That it was I supposed to go to Is somebody. called Fire Magazine and Ironically, um, all of the copies of that magazine were destroyed in a no. fire a couple months later. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole, I need to make a whole, I need to make a whole video about that. But like, fire was oh, was God, largely yeah. Fire was largely like panned by like black critics, like W. E. B. Du Bois, who's like, oh, this is just licentious <laughs> and it talks about gay people and prostitution and blah blah blah. And if you're going to make, first money, of all, W. E. B. Du Bois can
0: kiss my ass. Like he was not <laughs> as progressive. As people think he was, he was
2: progressive for white
1: people. He was saying things they yeah. Had never Zora Neale Hurston
2: called him Doctor Dubious. <laughs> he was like play the white man's game oh, so that we can. She just was get right. It.
1: Yeah, she was right. Also,
3: can I just say that I haven't. I haven't been able to take W.E.B. Du Bois's, um name seriously ever since the, oh shit, it's that boy um, <laughs> meme came out. Because every time I hear his voice, I'm like, W.E.B. Du Bois, it's like, it's the boy. So and, 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 so, and like, it, I've, I've given, that so all, like, funny. that's, <laughs> I, know, I know, it became a vocal stim for me for a while. I'm so
2: sorry. No, okay. um, but promoting, promoting. Uh, um, Parker, did you have anything to promote? Oh yeah. <laughs> last, last but not least. <laughs> um.
3: So there's. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um. Ah. God. I've been in enclosure for so, such a long time. Um. So I. Uh. Patreon and YouTube are my primary things. Um. YouTube. Uh. Support the Patreon so that I have more stuff on YouTube. So I don't have to work as much in my day to day. Oh uh the patreon has exclusive uh like in case people don't know um i'm also a musician i have like demos and other projects and stuff up on spotify soundcloud title and all other uh forms of listening to things um the like my my stage name for that is witch hazel but um i have like song demos for things that I haven't released yet um, at all stages of production that are up on Patreon, as well as um, poems. I've got my fanfiction username is accessible to certain patrons in case you want to do that. It's not only accessible to my patrons. You can find me in the wild, but if you want the direct contact for (laughs) my Spider-Man Deadpool smut. Um, my Patreon has a bunch of cool stuff as well as patron-exclusive Q&As, uh, full-set photo shoots that I've done, a bunch of really weird, vaguely threatening messages telling you to take care of yourself. My Patreon is HumbleTortoise, my YouTube is HumbleTortoise. Um, just go and support that. I will not say my archive of our own username. Um, I can't be perceived, but, um.
2: Lazlo Voice, I don't give a fuck, his name is Mike. My AO3 username <laughs> is Singing Sorrowless. Go fucking read my <laughs> fanfiction.
3: <laughs> it's a very wonderful um venom fanfic so it's my a Discworld very
2: fanfiction fanfic. that i'm considering dipping back into for naNoWriMo i've got to this is my like this is my fanfiction mm. in which uh samuel vimes and veterinary are like teenage boys that like have a very brief uh and very chaotic teenage romance and then have like <laughs> an extremely extremely like toxic volatile breakup and it's like that's why they're like that to each other as adults it's very angsty also red shoe my favorite fucking crust punk gay zombie is also uh very prominent i made i made reg trans um because (laughs) i think i think trans zombies are like the the idea the okay so this is like circling back to zombies um in within that's the, the same song of this episode yes, within <laughs> within the disc no, world, sort of it's a it's a a cosmology episode. um the way you become a zombie is like through sheer like willpower and they describe a, another trans zombie named Wendell Poons, who is like, when I'm reborn, I want to come back as a woman. Um, he's, a, he's like this elderly wizard that's like, I want to be reincarnated as a woman. Um, And so There's it's so like, no when he, he dies, yes, when he dies, his consciousness is just sort of like floating. And then like the Grim Reaper death just doesn't show up to collect him. So he's like, well, I guess I'll just... Go back to where I was before. So he like re inhabits his own body, and it's <laughs> it's described as like every every process of like every human biological process is still possible as a zombie, but none of it is. Like, none of it is on autopilot you have to consciously like with your brain be puppeteering like every aspect of your body so like if you want to eat you have to consciously digest and it's the idea of like being hyper aware of your body and the idea that like Mm -hmm. a trans person could die and then come back purely through sheer willpower and be like oh i can just Give myself top surgery and it's fine because I have full conscious control of what my body does. I'm finally able to consciously control everything about this body that before I felt trapped in. And now I'm immortal and can change myself any way I want. Fuck yes. Me Trans online at Claire's. Yeah. <laughs> Me online at Claire's. Oh, I can just give myself <laughs> top
3: surgery. <laughs> Vibe. Yes. Um. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking top surgery at right. Claire's. No. If I can circle back to zombies, I think that's going to be the catchphrase for this episode. So circling back to zombies. Um, So two things. One, I've noticed a pattern in myself where whenever I go through a not TMI, but whenever I go through like a really, really bad, depressive mental episode, I will find a new piece of intricate zombie media and consume it. I don't know why. It's always zombie media. I don't actively seek it out, but like all of my comfort stuff when I've been at like the lowest points in my life in the last like 10 years, I've like fa- that's how I found iZombie or started watching iZombie. That's how I found um In the Flesh. Um, which have you Okay, yes, yeah, you can I, you're I like Okay, in so the flesh, yeah. which brings me to my next point. Side note, why the fuck did they cancel that? Um, but so in the flesh is this um it's the reason why it popped up for me like mentally is because uh you were just mentioning like the the correlation um between that uh that sort of like uh sort of queer like rights kind of vibe and then also zombism um
2: Zombism in the flesh. Zombism, it does. <laughs> love that word.
0: <laughs> no, we're we we're, so, we're, like, we're we're that. That is we're with you. We're <laughs> gonna start like a glossary of terms, and that's gonna be on there.
3: <laughs> I just have these casual like like lore and like myth related terms in my head that I
2: remember like aren't things that people 100%. also say. No, no. They um, can, they but maybe now now they are. <laughs>
3: yeah, fuck yeah, Lex. Um, but yeah, so in the flesh does this really interesting thing where um it's uh not to you know delve too far off of black hard i guess this is this would be more of a queer horror story um because there's not that many black people in, in the flesh but um so there's uh they do this thing so the zombies the the basic premise of it is that the zombie apocalypse happened they found a cure. It's over now. The zombies that were zombies can now be rehabilitated and re enter society. It's amazing. It's canonically queer as its main plot line. The main character is amazing. When Kieran lost his shit at his family, I was like, that's my baby boy. His little sister was a part of a militia, uh, like an anti zombie militia that protected the town. And now, suddenly, like half of the people that all of these people in the town thought were dead and like zombies. Uh, are now suddenly back um they call them partially deceased syndrome sufferers they have to yeah. take pills they have to wear contacts they have to put foundation on obviously there's this whole sort of thing where it's like some zombies are like well this is a thing that happened to me it's now part of my identity I'm not going to wear contacts I'm not going to do whatever meanwhile the militia from this like ta- this small town that Kieran's from called Rort, uh Wharton uh worden I think um is uh they're very much like if we catch any of you corpses without your makeup without your contacts or like in any way being proud of your like zombie whatever like we're going to be like they sh- <laughs> they shot an old lady in the street it was crazy um but yeah she was a, she was a zombie like it's heavy and it's horrific but it's like and it's and it's white it is white but it's one of those things that's like informed about what it is um and because it's Queer as well. It's very much different um, yeah. from like if there had been like a a sort of like cishet telling of that. But anyway, um, yeah. second thing that I wanted to say is, yeah, so zombies um being reflective. Um, of whatever sort of like mass white uh, fear is happening at the time after you guys remember the zombie boom it happened at the same time as rar xd and the mush, mustache thing um like the 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 hipster millennial cringe hipster craze. <laughs> it was such a yeah, distinct like the, time the millennial cringe right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the zombie things were just were everywhere and that was very like that was a very like post- xenophobia thing that that happened in the it's like this this nameless faceless monster thing that we are now allowed to hate because of because there is no way that it could change
0: kind of on that on that note about like you know the monsters representing fears and stuff and queerness and stuff it reminds me of kind of on a different note entirely because this is children's horror but you think about like um the uh monster high like the yes, monster high yeah, dolls yeah, yeah. and stuff like that whole and they had the show
2: my friends are in a, a monster high themed burlesque show a couple weeks ago I love it. Yes. it was so good
0: <laughs> love it yeah and like monster high has i think i think they actually have some canonically like queer or non-binary characters now um they were known for like being a kid show that was like had a lot of diversity that a lot of other kids shows did not have and they like delved into the whole like you know these characters some of them are zombies mm-hmm. and some of them are you know vampires or whatever most of them are not characterized as villainous but they are like sort of in the society and even another thing another thing that just now thinking of also disney channel so disney channel has the descendants trilogy which is all about like the villains and like their tension between being a child of a villain and then the children of the heroes but also they have the zombie series on disney now i've never watched it but it's a thing on disney that like has a very similar vibe of like you know like zombie racism and like some of the kids in high school are zombies and some of them are, it's like, like it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see some of this in children's media, because I think that children's media is often sort of like a, an indicative societal point. Like what we choose to make media for children often reflects the values that society itself has or wants to have. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) I was in a a, a call with some of my Discord friends yesterday and we were talking about Artemis Fowl and how a lot of people assume based on the name that it's like a fantasy book, but it's like, no, it's just some rich kid that's evil. And they were talking about like how novel it was to have a book targeted towards children where the main character is a child, but he's also just a bad person and how like fun that was. (laughs) Good. Like yeah, children should get to identify with villains. But I, I, I wanted to say, I only like recently learned about the phrase disidentification which is where like you take something that like you have been that has been put on you that you've been like accused of and you're like well if you <laughs> think that's all i am then i'm then i'm gonna be that on purpose because of that like that oh. one thing that Tyrion mm-hmm. said to Jon snow like if you wear it as armor it can never be used to hurt you like and uh. we so- see that so often with queer people like oh if you think i'm a monster then I'm going to love stories about monsters, then I'm going to embrace that. And I, I like, just started watching The villains! That, that, the Owl House um, yeah. a couple mm-hmm. days ago and how that's so, like, the, one of the strongest themes of that is, like, people being accused of being monsters because they're different mm-hmm. and, like, allowing children to empathize with characters that are monsters, with characters that are taboo, I feel is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, Another thing I wanted to say was, you, Parker, said that, like, when you're going through, like, really bad, depressive episode, you, like, zombie media and this is something For that some actually reason, yeah. this is something that ties back into get out because when i am like in a really bad way i gravitate towards stories with really strong themes of dissociation because it makes me feel seen mm. um and so like when i try to explain to people that like one of my comfort movies is being john malkovich and they're like comfort <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen being John Oh, it's of fucking, it. w- I it I've, fucking I've heard so
3: it's, much about there's, it.
2: There's so much going on, and it's so fucking weird. <laughs> and then also, like, there's this, also, there's, like, a canonical trans character that I had no idea was, you know, like, she... Huh yeah like the the premise of being john malkovich is there's like a portal that you can crawl through that like puts you into the mind of the actual real life actor named john malkovich he's like a real guy and he's like in the movie playing himself and so like they (laughs) they start the scam where people are paying to like experience life through john malkovich's eyes and john malkovich is like vaguely aware of the fact that he's being puppeteered by a bunch of strangers and like at one point the main character's wife like was like well I want to experience John Malkovich and she like goes into his mind while she's while he's like having a shower and then as soon as she like pops back out of his mind she was like oh I'm transsexual like I know that definitively about myself now I was briefly inside of a man's body and now I'm like absolutely 100% certain that I'm trans and I was like oh <laughs> cool. interesting yeah um but like uh, get out with the I was watching it last night with my husband um when when um Chris goes into the sunken place and you can see like what he's seeing out of his eyes, but it's like really far away, like he's seeing it on a screen yeah. and he's just sort of like yeah. floating in the void. I like, hit my husband on the shoulders like that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like to have an associative episode. And it just it's mm-hmm. it's comforting to to see that someone else was able to put it into words because so often mm-hmm. that feeling feels so like nameless and amorphous. Mm-hmm. That, like, mm-hmm. uh, media, like, um, Bo Burnham's inside. Even though, like, uh, Bo Burnham's kind of a shit guy in a lot of ways. <laughs> but um, the, the way that inside utilizes, like, the metafiction to reinforce yeah. the, like, the themes of dissociation. I just, I find very comforting because it's like, oh, he gets it. He understands what this feels like. Um, yeah. It's also, talking- I was going to say, I find that, I f- that black horror... And black media and Afro surrealism, I find often has really strong themes of dissociation and part of the dissociation mm-hmm. that it like it, it feels so isolating and it makes you feel like, you know, am I the, am I going crazy? Am I the only person that feels this way? And it's so fascinating because like leaning into black media and like the research I've been doing over the past two years into the blues and it's like, you can't listen to the blues and think that you are alone in these feelings. The blues was an entire genre mm-hmm. of people going like, mm-hmm. we are traumatized. We have experienced trauma, and th- mm-hmm. and we're going to tell you about it. Those, the the themes of, because dissociation is a response to trauma, and black people have always experienced have trauma. trauma. Yeah, and it's, I feel <laughs> that black horror in and black media in a lot of ways captures the sense of dissociation in like a really unique sort of like surrealist way which is why like mm-hmm. there are a lot of comparisons between atlanta and twin peaks
0: i want to hear uh what parker has to say but i also want to hear uh like more from kenna because yeah we're like our guests so we want to hear some kenna
3: <laughs> the uh I, mean, I was gonna say um there's uh, a level of so two things one um just very very like side note is i mean now that i'm thinking about it i think that loudly express like the the what was the thing that you said disidentification where somebody's like if you if i say you are that like if you say i am this thing i'm going to do this thing on purpose which i think like uh the the sort of like inherent meta commentary of taking something that is Obvious about you, but not talked about and then making it a part of your overall vibe is something that like, I mean, obviously, like, I I think a lot of people who identify like me can relate to but I think also just is, is, is now that I'm thinking about it is such a, a pillar of like, so many different kinds of of black media of loudly being like, things are not okay. This is not the way that like, as in, especially in response to um systemic gaslighting and uh sort of systemic, like, just just the 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 way that these these sort of like systems are are built up in a way that's like we're not going to talk about the fact that this is how we view you or this is how you are or these are the things that have happened to you um we're just not going to talk about them and i think that like a lot of black media like you were talking about the blues i would like say like not argue necessarily but I would tack on that that's also like a very core pillar of like hip hop a lot of like you know the black foundations of rock were just we have come from such a traumatizing place this is loudly what that is and making a spectacle I've been having this conversation so much and it's very much a part of like my gender expression and also just my my experience with race is like I am making a spectacle of all the things that are wrong quote unquote Uh, Whether I feel they are wrong or I'm told that they are wrong, I'm now making it a spectacle. So we are talking about it. Like going into the way that that um, is 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 related to to black horror as a medium is like, first off, like if horror so often is indicative of the, the fears and the things that are not quite there and are not quite right. And like the the horror that I've experienced, all the best horror that I've experienced, whether literally or not. like is indicative like it, it, it widely displays and accurately displays the feelings of being in your room at a place you were supposed to feel safe having all the lights turned on looking in the corner of your room and being like something's there like and i think black horror does that wonderfully especially like if we're talking about the dissociative scene um scenes in get Out. Side note i'm afraid of teacups now um but like teacups and white people two biggest fairs we don't have time to delve into all that um but uh rip john mulaney but um i uh every time i make a reference like so many
0: references complete side note but i saw john mulaney live not like pretty recently like this year and it was after all that shit had happened um and i bought my tickets way before all that shit had happened so i was like well well, i guess i'm going and so um and he has like he's like definitely adjusted his persona a lot and when one of his opening things he's like yeah i used to have this personality of being like a weird guy from the 40s but now you know a bunch of public image stuff happened and now everybody likes bo burnham better (laughs)
1: That's the thing about being um, white boy of the month, they, exactly. by the time you've hit your peak, they've got the backup yep. ready. They were yep. priming you know, Bo and, and also, like to a be sexy fair, baby.
3: never stopped being white boy of the month. He just left no. actively. Yeah, like, he chose I, to leave and then chose to come I, back. The, so, so going back, uh, circling back to, not zombies. zombies, but <laughs> circling back to, to get out um is we're all neurodivergent here um but the, <laughs> so circling back to get out like in terms of like the dissociation it's just as i i remember watching stuff with with jordan peele and also uh, like interviews after get out had first come out and like people were like where the fuck did that come from and he's like that's how it feels like to interact with white people in like white systems like as a black person is that dissociative thing and it's it's so interesting too because it it, it is like It is. And and Us definitely gets into this. Oh, I get to talk about this. Us definitely gets into this in like a, a, a much more like overt way, but it is actively experiencing Uncanny Valley in your own reflection. It's like the dissociation, the inherent dissociation um, and the inherent ways. And also I've been having a lot of conversations with people in my life, like just this week about the ways that like uh, mental, uh, like neurodivergence manifests differently when you are black, because it's like, am I dissociating because I have a dissociative disorder or because I have to interact in this uh, like system set up that it forces me to, you know, it's like, it's an uncanny valley thing to be forced and like to to say that it's not socially acceptable to not change the way that you speak, the texture of your hair chemically, uh, the way that you stand, the way that you gesture, the the things that you can admit to being into.
2: Yeah. No, one hundred percent. <laughs> like absolutely. The, in the primordium session, we talked about uh, Afro surrealism, um, mm. and the blah, 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 blah. D. Scott Miller in two thousand nine wrote his famous Afro surreal manifesto, in which he says Afro surrealism sees that all others who create from their actual lived experience are surrealist and it's the idea of like go the the thing that that makes afro surrealism so powerful is that there are black people going into these situations which white people would find incredibly normal and mundane and the Mm -hmm. fact that like your normal mundane reality is Mm -hmm. surreal horror for people that aren't you yeah. Like we are having to interact with the system where we are holding in the forefront of our mind, this doesn't make sense. The way these people are acting, the way these people are treating me, it does not mesh with logic. And for my survival, I have to sit here and pretend that everything is fine. And like, yeah. I can me- see something's wrong and everybody yeah. else is pretending it's normal.
3: Uh, I think a good example of that is the end of Get Out, um, where like it's the 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 difference in white and black perspective of the um, of the 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 sort of like police lights that we see that actually ends up being Chris's friend. Kenna, I want to hear all of your thoughts. Yes, <laughs> I want to hear some from from, from Kenna.
2: Hey there, folks. It's Weaver here. After the fact. Uh, So we accidentally filmed this episode for two hours and we ended up having to split it in half. And that means that the ending of this first episode, this first part, uh, ends on a kind of weird note. We're like about to pump up Kinna because the three of us regular hosts realized that we have been talking for way too long and we haven't given Kinna like enough of a chance to speak even though like they're our guests and we invited them. Uh, So in part two... Uh, Kenna will go a lot more in-depth into this topic. Come back next week to hear Kenna talk more about zombies, Get Out, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Alright, here's the outro. (laughs) <laughs> all right yes um, thank you guys for joining us
0: thank you so much to kenna for uh, being our first guest it has been thank you for such
2: having me. a
0: wonderful experience having you on the show
2: <laughs> um i'm gonna just say if you are watching this on youtube make sure to like subscribe and leave a comment and don't forget to check us sure. out on the podcatcher of your choice if you want to listen to us on the go and if you are podcast listeners uh don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review the reviews are really going to help us during these first few weeks and if you're a podcast listener, be sure to check us out on YouTube because there's a lot of cool graphics. You get to see all our funny faces. I make a, I'm, I've noticed while watching myself in the little box, I make a lot of crazy faces. I'm like, Ugh. um, <laughs> um, um, yeah. If, and if you'd like to support us more directly, again, you can become one of our Patreon patrons. Those links are in the description. Uh, yep. And again, if you'd like to inquire about being a sponsor, shoot us an email at close encounters of the blurred kind at. Uh, gmail.com
0: also with the thing if you are uh someone not only if you want to sponsor but even if you're just like a black nerd who wants to like oh. potentially come on the show yeah. email us let us know yeah. what your yes. thing yes. is
2: yes. <laughs> Finally, thank you to Jiraiya for the use of the song Enter, A Beginner's Guide to Faking Your Death. What a fitting song title uh, as the intro and outro to <laughs> yes. our show.
0: Thank you to Kenna. Thank you to Jiraiya. Thank you to Weaver. Thank you to Parker. Thank you to me. And thank you to all of y'all. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Stay blurry.